This week's episode is brought to you by Dolly and Disney, Destino, the story, artwork, and friendship behind the legendary film by David Bossert, also the longest subtitle ever. Communical Weekly, come and get geeky, bobble round boats and five-legged ghosts. Communical Weekly, stockings filled with freaky, waited all week and even said and no. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to our annual holiday episode. Hooray! Happy Hanukkah, Merry Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, and all the other holidays I'm forgetting. What am I forgetting? Well, I hope everybody paid like 80 bucks to get their free hot chocolate and cookie, right? Their snickerdoodle cookie. Oh, you from- mean, you mean not various farms, not so... Merry, scary holiday party? <laughs> no, not Sperry's Farms, not so Mickey Christmas. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Because they I, don't I, have Mickey, right? So so confused with all these different like holiday parties and such going on. So weird, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, when's HolidayBuzz.com coming? Uh, it's already here. It's already here. <laughs> As I'm typing up and buying the website right now. <laughs> HolidayBuzz.com. <laughs> so that's something completely different. Never mind. <laughs> Jeez. That's when you have too much eggnog, kids. That's what it is. Too much too much <laughs> nog in your eggnog. So, uh, yeah. Suppose we should get on with the history then. I would assume so. It's time for the Park History. With the holidays upon us again, we thought it might be fun to look into some of the holiday-themed theme parks around the country that, you know, kind of celebrate the winter season all year long. Now, way back in Season 2's holiday episode, we looked at Santa Claus Land in Santa Claus, Indiana, which was a lot of fun. But there are plenty of other parks to look at as well. So, first up is Santa's Workshop in North Pole. Wait for it. New York. That makes sense. Thought I was going to say something else. Which is a hamlet in Wilmington. The park has been around since 1949, and it claims to be one of the first theme parks in the United States, much like a thousand others, and it was, and it, it is open from June to December. Now, the seeds of imagination that culminated in this fa- fantasy village came from this enchanting story a father told his young daughter about a baby bear whose adventures led him to discover Santa Claus and his North Pole workshop. You know, like all great theme parks come about. Exactly. So the little girl's plea to visit this magical place prompted the father who told the story, whose name was Julian Reese, who was also a Lake Placid uh, businessman, uh, to begin to dream about a summer home for Santa Claus where his children could visit him. Like a summer golf course for Santa Claus? I mean, kind of. Maybe? His vacation home. It could be. So, all right. Well, the dream was brought to a well-known artist and designer, Ardo Monaco, um, excuse me, whose sketches and designs gave it substance. To complete the team, Harold Fortune, also of Lake Placid, contributed construction know-how, the actual site to build it on, which was Whiteface Mountain, and he had a natural talent for promotion. 
Now, this fantasy village was populated by storybook characters centered around a North Pole, you know, which just happened to be frozen year-round, and also had friendly deer and other animals just walking freely about the park. And this whimsical new place attracted widespread media coverage. And within weeks of the opening, over 700 newspapers in the United States and Canada carried photos and feature articles about the park. Visitors began to flock to this new North Pole uh, from an opening day crowd of 212. Ooh. Attendance grew steadily until a single day record of over 14,000 was recorded on September 2nd, 1951. In the true spirit of Christmas, the developers chose to share their good fortune. Santa's Operation Toy Lift began delivering toys and gifts to underprivileged children in northern New York and Vermont with pilot Julian Reese and his personal aircraft. Now, within six years, with the help of a C-46 Silver Sleigh provided by uh, ESSO Standard Oil of New Jersey, Operation Toilet expanded to over 13 states, uh, the District of Columbia, and two provinces of Canada, making 34 stops at major airports and delivering over 10 tons of presents uh, to orphan children. In December of 1953, the U.S. Postal Service recognized the great interest in North Pole, New York, and awarded it rural post station status. And that same year, Santa and his reindeer team traveled to the nation's capital to participate in the pageant for peace. They uh, were also seen in Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. They were a media sensation in those first few years. Now, much like Disney has special weekends every once in a while, so did Santa's workshop. In 1973, Christmas Preview, which was a new concept in family entertainment, uh, was introduced at the park. And it had, you know, from modest beginnings, the, you know, the package weekends now have over 600 participating families every season. And the program has been renamed to Yuletide Family Weekends. Yes, that's right. This park is still in operation today, so you can go check it out for yourself, especially on these special weekends. Okay, so be careful when you type it into Google, or you might wind up in Cascade, Colorado, where another theme park called Santa's Workshop is located. This Santa's Workshop opened on June 16, 1956, and is located just west of Colorado Springs at the base of Pikes Peak. Modeled after the Santa's Workshop in North Pole, New York that we just talked about, this park features a charming North Pole village complete with specialty shops for boys, girls, Christmas ornaments, and candy. The village is also home to Santa's Workshop itself, where children can meet with Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus year-round. Many of the park staff get into the holiday spirit as well, and children will find Santa's elves hard at work in the front gate and the many shops around the park. In addition to the village itself, Santa's Workshop uh, is a fully operational amusement park, best suited for children ages 2 to 12 or George. Hey, um, what? I'll, I'll take that. That's a compliment. Yeah, yeah it is a compliment. We'll do that. Yeah, okay. Um, it's home to 28 rides, many of which are classified specifically as quote-unquote kiddie rides. Um, family highlights include a small roller coaster and the world's highest altitude Ferris wheel, as well as a genuine North Pole made of ice that somehow never melts in the center of the park. <laughs> so in 2014, Santa's sleigh, a 29.9 mile per hour zip line, was added. Several additional rides are also Christmas themed, such as a Christmas tree ride and a peppermint giant slide, which is a rare American example of a, prop, a popular UK slide ooh, called a Helter Skelter. Attractions also included a magic show and an arcade. So a 30 mile an hour zip line? 
Hey, he's got to get to these houses really quickly, man. That'd be cool. I mean, you know, you could throw presents at people. Well, yeah, sure. yeah. Well, that's, yeah. They, or they could throw them at you. It's kind of like tag. Yeah, that's true. Do it that way. <laughs> so the park is generally open from mid-May through Christmas Eve, and it's closed uh, from January to May in order to let Santa and the elves rest up. Amazingly, the park is still owned and operated by the Haggard family, who opened it in 1956. Okay, so however, if the cold weather of New York and Colorado is not really for you, you can travel on down to Florida to Santa's Enchanted Forest. Wait a minute, is this spooky? No, 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 no. Okay, good, good. Build as the world's largest Christmas theme park, this Miami, Florida park lets you add palm trees to your Christmas celebration. Did you just see forest and you got scared? I did, yeah. Okay, well, right. it was just because you said Enchanted Forest. Oh, too, okay, okay, nervous. okay. Yeah. So this park basically will just wow you with the sheer number of lights and holiday attractions. Just think Las Vegas-style Christmas, uh, but not really as tacky, but kind of. Um, <laughs> it's only open during the holiday season through January 5th, and Santa's Enchanted Forest is visible from the nearby expressway, and the lights, it lights up the entire area because, again, it's very Vegas-like. <laughs> so you start with a walk down Santa Claus Lane and take in all the lights, the mechanical miniatures of holiday scenes, handcrafted displays, and more. Lovers can catch a smooch underneath the mistletoe on Mistletoe Lane. The grand finale of it all is the 90-foot lighted Christmas tree. Now, Santa's Enchanted Forest is a great place for older kids, too. Um, you know, there's plenty of thrill, excuse me, thrill rides like the Mega Drop, which is the world's largest drop tower. Uh, it has four roller coasters, and it has a giant pirate ship. And for smaller kids, there's Santa's Enchanted Maze with a carnival-style atmosphere, uh, bumper cars, slides, and the Christmas train. But the real question is, where can you find Santa here? Which, of course, the only logical place possible, inside a motorcycle cage as he dodges motorcycles circling around him. Yeah, of course, that only makes sense. Of course, um, of course. Yeah. So last up is Santa's Village, located in Jefferson, New Hampshire. Santa's Village was the brainchild of Norman and Cecilia Dubois, who, in the early 1950s, wanted to create something novel for their region. Seeing deer crossing the road sparked Norman's belief that the North Country in New Hampshire would serve well as Santa and the reindeer's home. So on Father's Day in 1953, the family amusement park was opened for the first time to the general public. In its first year, the park had pony rides and showcased Francis the Famous Mule in a mule performance. I don't know what that means, but I'm totally yeah. down to go see it. Um, the park staff frequently gave the mule oats <laughs> from a whiskey bottle to kind of coax her to move, which again makes me want to see the show even more. Okay, the Duboises also invited Santa Claus to their park. I don't want to know how they invited him. Um, with a whiskey bottle. With a whiskey bottle. That's how it was empty. Yes. So um, uh, this Santa Claus was accompanied by real reindeer and numerous elves. The park was later enlarged to include a Santa schoolhouse, a blacksmith shop, Santa's workshop, and a chapel. In 1955, the park was open from June to October. By 1969, the park also had playgrounds, restaurants, and a jingle jamboree. Uh, the Dubois family added a dancing chicken and rabbit performance to the park's activities. These animal things are just killing me. Um, by 1974, the Dubois son-in-law, Michael Gaynor, took over the park's management after the couple retired. And the admission for people over four years old in 1974 was just a measly $3 to see a dancing chicken. Yeah. So by the 1980s, the park had grown into a real amusement park. 
I guess the Blue Fairy visited? Perhaps. Perhaps. Every time the park told a lie. Well, never mind. So the, the park was further expanded with a Yule Log Flume. Love that idea. That glided down a Christmas-themed river, carrying people around the park. Uh, macaws performed in the park, and roller skating. They would roller skate around the stage, and there were uh, they would ride balancing bikes on a tightrope. I, I, I'm on board. I, yeah, the, but you know the Yule log flume. That's awesome. It's pretty genius. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, it was around this time that the grandchildren of Norman and Cécile Dubois managed the park. Uh, they added a polar theater with 3D shows that included elves that dance and a tree that sings, um, as well as Skyway sleighs, which transported people through the sky to different parts of the park. And near the park's duck pond was a life-size uh, nativity scene. The park also had a wishing well, where children can make a wish and uh, toss in coins. The money from the wishing well is given to underprivileged children through the form of Christmas gifts. In the first year of the village, more than $1,000 from the well was used to buy gifts. Now, I don't know if you guys used to watch WWF wrestling before it was WWE, <laughs> but uh, the park is also the favorite of wrestler Mick Foley, formerly known as Mankind and Cactus Jack and all those other names, um, because his parents used to take him there all the time when he was a kid. Oh, makes sense. Okay, it all makes sense, guys. It all ties together. So, okay, so so nowadays most of the sixteen rides have Christmas or winter themed names, such as Rudy's Rapid Transit Coaster and the Great Humbug Adventure. These names are genius. Uh, lovely. So the rides are designed for families with children under age thirteen. There are also three theaters, two of which present live shows, and a third that features a three D movie called A Tinker Doodle Christmas. I knew you were expecting me to trip over that. Um, visitors can yeah, visit Santa's home, sit in his rocking chair, and have a picture taken with Santa. Wow. These are kind of great. I kind of want to visit all these uh, I, holiday theme parks. Absolutely. Positively amazing. And the fact that they're still opening and still running. Yeah, all of them. all these years is all of amazing. Them. Wow. So, so we would like to know, have you had a chance to visit any of these Santa Claus or holiday-related theme parks? Please. Let us know if you have any special memories or thoughts. Give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. He's a nerd. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's Book of the Week. This week's book is The Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Clubhouse Christmas. Yeah, it's getting harder to find Disney books related to the holidays. So anyway, somebody will tell you about a book that about the holidays you did not read yet. You know yeah. that, right? Yeah, I gotta find one. So but we'll okay, remember so, it for next year, kind of. Yeah. So this is a board book, and what I mean my board book is it won't bore you when you read it, but it's made out of heavier <laughs> cardstock so that little ones can chew on it and they won't destroy it. Um, so in this one, the Clubhouse Christmas. Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Donald, Daisy, and Pluto deck the halls in preparation for their favorite holiday. I wonder which one that is. The gang, and Toodles, of course, needs to make sure that each tree is trimmed, each sprig of mistletoe is hung, and each light is twinkling just right for the holidays. And there are some cool kind of cutouts that you can look through and stick your finger. Well, never mind. Um, I'm this, so confused. This, yeah, don't worry about it. This uh, board book is great for story times, especially with the under three set. So it's perfect for Nikki to read to date. 
And this week's book was the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Clubhouse Christmas. If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the window of the week. So yeah, we usually look at Imagineer tribute windows on Main Street for this segment, but for this holiday episode, you know, it kind of calls for a special type of window. Specifically ones that are on the ground level of all the shops on Main Street, but in Disneyland Paris. So every year, a team of four designers and three graphic designers create the windows behind the scenes, working with the shops to see what would work best for the people walking on Main Street. So then, once designed and manufactured, they remove the old window displays and put in the new ones. In the nights before the start of the holiday season, there are about 20 to 25 people at work to get everything in place on time. There are 45 windows overall, so they need 7 to 8 days to set them up. And for the most part, they work at night, from 10 in the evening to 6 in the morning. And once the displays are set, they add the merchandise to the windows, working from 5 or 6 in the morning until the guests come in for the day. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. During the holiday season, the Jungle Cruise is transformed into the Jingle Cruise, which is a fun-filled journey through the holidays on all these rivers of the world. <laughs> now, during the rest of the year, you can see the menu items for the crew during the week that they eat while they're on the Jungle Cruise. And they all have some form of chicken or something that tastes like chicken or kind of resembles chicken, regardless. But to get into the holiday spirit for the Jingle Cruise, everything on the menu is transformed into turkey. Uh, there's roasted turkey, there's turkey pot pie, there's turkey sandwiches, turkey soup, and of course, turkey jerky. But they only have Monday through Friday listed, so I don't know what they eat on Saturday and Sunday, but I can only assume it's still some form of turkey. I would imagine some form of It would make sense, turkey. right? Yeah, and a really good segue would not be to say something about turkeys in the year of a million or so limited time cadets prize winner. I'm not sure where that one was going, but I'll, I'll let it slide because we're not the best with segues. Yeah, well, I mean, I shouldn't use the term turkey. No, you should not. Everybody should be happy? happy. Nah, never mind. Anyway, anyway. Uh, we are coming, by the time you listen to this episode, there are only two episodes left in season four, <gasps> so there's still a wow. chance for you guys to win. Send an email to communicoweekly at gmail.com with your name, your address, and your birthday, and you could be entered for the last two weeks. I mean, there's still plenty of time. You guys can enter. It'll be great. <laughs> um, this week's prize is actually the, the book that was the sponsor of the episode, uh, Dolly and Disney Destino, and the longest subtitle ever, which I don't remember the rest of, but <laughs> that's the prize this week. We're going to review it in a later episode. It was really good. Yeah. And the winner for this week's Year of a Million or So, Limited Time Cadets, is Don F. from Hollywood, California. Ooh. That's exciting. It is. We really, we really should have sprung for some like clapping sound effects. We really should have. Oh, we should have, but I mean yeah. that adds like a little bit more to my editing time, and you know. Oh yeah, we don't. I don't want to do that. No, I understand. I understand. You know, sense them, and it's like, what's the sound of two hosts clapping? I mean, we can literally just make the sound ourselves right now, but we're just so lazy, we're not going to clap our hands. Oh, okay, we won't then. Were you about to do it? You didn't hear me do it? No, I didn't. I was too busy Obviously, listening to the sound of my own talk, voice. you don't listen to a single thing I say. That's fair. I usually don't. I usually don't. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not sure if anybody else is. What's that, George? Um, <laughs> All right. Well, we, we, will, we will leave you guys with this episode. So thank you so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. 
However you watch or listen or absorb the show, leave us a rating on iTunes, one of uh, a nine-star rating, that'd be great. Leave us a comment on YouTube. However, we want to hear from you. Yes, we do. You can always email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com to enter the chorus. The chorus? The chorus. No, enter for the prize. Draw. There you go. That's what it was. We can also <laughs> enter for the chorus. I mean, yeah, I we always sing against Let's evil minions and we... Michael Eisner. Yeah, if anybody wants to sing along with us, uh, yeah. that's communicorweekly at gmail.com. You can also like us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Imaginerding. He's at Jeff Heimbuck. Of course, you can always leave us a message on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. And visit our website, communicorweekly.com or communicorweekly.spreadshirt.com to buy some incredibly well-designed t-shirts. Heck so, yes. And you can still have plenty of time to get your official cadet membership card or Community Weekly sticker. I, I was telling George the other day, we just sent out like a little over 3,000 membership gosh, cards so far. That's incredible. It's crazy, but I still got tons left, so. It's got an army. We do have an army. Anyway, if you want one of those, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to P.O. Box 432 Orange, California 92856. And you can always help support us by visiting patreon.com slash weekly and help us be the greatest online show. For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Bamboo Branch. <laughs>